All right, I'm black. Hendrix refilled. Weasel drained. Let's get this thing back on track. All right, so I was talking about how easy it was to get prescription grade uh, painkillers, how we would, you know, kind of stockpile and maybe pass them out to a couple people before a game. That's pretty fucking normal, gang. That's pretty fucking normal. And while I was in college, my, my drug usage was off and off. It was, it was, it was, it was. I never smoked weed. I never did cocaine. I never did anything illegal. But my pain pill usage was off and on. It, it was nowhere near what it got to a little bit later in my life. Now, when I finally hung up my helmet, I, I stopped playing. Uh, my last stop was the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I fucking hate it. Hate it. Hamilton. Oh, my fucking God. It is the armpit of Canada. And that's coming from a boy from the South. Maybe there are some worse spots, but if it gets worse than Hamilton, fuck me. And if some of you are from Hamilton, you got a little bit pissed off, let me say it again. I fucking hated Hamilton. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was So this is how they painted the picture. It's like, oh, you're going to love Canada, rolling countryside. The Canadians, they're so nice. The weather is always so fucking fantastic. Wrong, mister. When I got there, it was overcast, dreary. It was one of those, it just would have been better if it just fucking downpoured. You know what it was like? You ever have that feeling where you want to puke, but you can't? You're like, if I could just throw up, God damn it, it would just... That's what it was like weather-wise. If you can, if it would just dump on you, you can mentally handle that. But it never did. At most, you get like a couple seconds of drizzle. But it was, I don't think I ever saw the fucking sun. Or maybe that's just what I fucking remember because I hated it so much. And then I was like, oh, you're going to love Canadians because they're going to love you. Once again, wrong, mister. I remember when I first got there, and it was time to uh, take all the rookies to uh, to get our physicals. And I still remember, I can't remember her name, but she was one of the trainers there. She loads us up, loads us up in the van, and she's driving us to the hospital to get our fucking physicals. Shows you the difference between fucking the NFL and the CFL, right? You had to travel across town to a fucking hospital to get someone to juggle your nuts to see if you had a hernia. Well, I was in the front seat, and I'm just having casual conversation with her, right? It's just, you know, where are you from? Uh, Texas. Wait, Texas? Well, yeah, yeah. And then she started railing on me for the fucking death penalty here in Texas. I'm like, yo, I, I haven't executed a single person. I'm actually anti And she just dumped on me. And that was really my first introduction to Canadians. It's like, this is what they call love? It's just sitting on some bullshit, Right. And then, if y'all remember, the world's fastest man contest, right? And it was uh, Michael Johnson versus Donovan Bailey. And they were going to run a 150, uh, a kind of a compromise between who, you know, their distances, right? Those Canadian guys talk so, and it wasn't even like friendly shit, right? You're in a room full of football players. Shit talking is going to happen. They railed the shit out of us. And then Donovan Bailey won. I started begging them to cut me. Canada sucked. But the reason why, it was when it was all said and done with, 
The reason why I stopped, gang, is because my body hurt too much. I don't think I popped a single pill in my time in Canada. I don't think I popped a single fucking pill. But it just got to a point because they didn't pay you, you know, $70 million, right? Mm, excuse me. And it just, it just wasn't worth it to me. I didn't enjoy it. And I still remember that last plane ride home, I was relieved. When I, when I realized I am no longer going to go to another fucking football practice, I'll never have to sit through another fucking skull session, I'll never get my ankles taped, none of that shit. I was relieved. I ran my race. My career was done. I had no regrets. But my body was hurt, right? But by the time I got here, I started working, and the pain just got a little bit worse, a little bit worse. And quick side note, I have always had pain. Eighth graders aren't supposed to complain about constant back pain. I wouldn't call it chronic back then, but it was always there. And so they took me to the, I still remember Dr. Jameson did an x-ray, my sacrum. If you don't want a sacrum is, look it up. It's that last triangle-shaped bone in your spine, and it's supposed to sit right down the middle of your butt cheeks. Mine doesn't do that. Mine tilts hard to the right. So everything is stacked funny on my back. I've got worn out facets and nerve damage. Boy, I'm a lucky guy. But football made that a lot worse, and I kept playing. Now, I got back, and I got a job at the place I'm in now. God damn, that seemed like a long time ago. And I started dating someone. And really, kind of not really long story short, one of the people at the gym was a pain management doctor. And this cat, who I do like, I'm not going to say this person's name, but you know what? For this person honestly and truly helping me out, hold on, you know what time it is. Gin and truth and medical help. Let's go. And this person kept telling me, I can help you. I can help you. I don't want to be helped. I can help you. I can help you. All right. Captain Savahoa, you don't want to be saved, dumbass. And so finally, again, hitting the fast forward button, I went. The first time, and this person had a pain pill regimen ready for me to, to, to do my thing, and then they wanted to do a procedure where they fish around in your spine, find the nerve that sends the pain signal to your brain, and snip it. I said, that looks a little bit dodgy. Now, I'm one of those idiots who reads what he signs. And I don't care if it takes me five days and I'm going to waste your time. If I'm putting my name on something, I'm going to fucking read it. And it's, you know, the standard waiver, right? This is what we're going to do. These are all the possible outcomes. Here are all the negative outcomes. One of them, the first one, paralysis. And I remember I took that thing, put it on the table. I said, peace, two fingers, right? Deuces, the big guy's out. And I was like, no, 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 no. You are not going to snip the wrong nerve. I'm going to be paralyzed. My dick won't get hard. I'm going to be pissing out of it. No, absolutely not. And I probably went another year. And at that point, my pain was building. My pain was building. My pain was building. It started to suck more and more and more. And finally, I went back to this person's office. God damn, I'm sweating like a runaway slave. It's hot in here, shit. But I went back to this person's office, right? And I was like, you know, oh, 
because it was during that meeting, I remember what he said. And my then girlfriend was in the office with me. And he's like, you know, you, you got to understand how chronic pain works. You, you're not in this by yourself. Now, you may be the only person feeling the physical pain. But he's like, look at your girlfriend. Look at your mom, your dad, everyone who cares about you. When you're in pain, they're in pain. And I remember he stopped fucking around. He said, take the fucking pills. And I did. And I did. And I still remember. I still remember two things. One, uh, after, you know, we did all the workup and all this other stuff, the nurse who was checking me out, we were talking. And I remember her saying, I'll never forget her telling me, once you get on the pain train, you're not getting off. I will never forget her telling me that. That right there should have been the dun-dun-dun kind of moment, right? Nope, my monkey ass took those pills home. And I still remember. How many times am I going to mention fucking Simon in these things? The first one I ever took was uh, we were, uh, he's not a fucking football fan at all. But I think he was just here to show support. But he was over here. And the person I was with, and I, and I drank a Coke. I don't even like soda. I don't even know why soda was in this fucking house. But I remember I took, it was a, a 325, 325.10 if I'm not mistaken. I popped that bitch. I opened up the Coke and I drank it. Gang, it was almost immediate. It did not take long for that to get in my system. And then I just remember it felt like, and again, I'm not trying to trigger anyone. I, I hope you heeded my uh, warning and if this is going to get to you, turn this shit the fuck off. Care for yourself first. But it was like someone, there was a blanket. It was like your mom tucking you in. And I know my voice get a little bit passionate. I just, I really fucking remember it like it was yesterday. It was like someone pulled a blanket over your toes, your ankles, your shins, your knees, your thighs, your hips, your chest, your neck. And then it just felt like whew, it went into my head. And I still remember the first thing I said, I now know why this is a controlled substance. I was high. Motherfuck the pain. I was high off of a 325. Fuck me. And that, that, that was it. That, that was it. I did not. Now that was, fuck me. What's the math on that? 13, 14 years ago? Pardon me. Probably a little bit more than that. But I, I, I always went back and I finally did those fucking surgeries and procedures. I did everything you could possibly do. And here's the thing. The first time they cut on me, uh, I, nothing, nothing. I was younger than fuck it. I, I, yeah, just like I ripped a fart. No big deal. But as always, I always give you some Vicodin, you know, to kind of get you through the kind of the post-surgery, uh, you know, pain. And it got to the point to where I, I didn't recover from the surgeries as much. So I needed more pills. Now, gang, this was long before. And I can't remember the whole Schedule 1, Schedule 2, or I can't remember. But back then, you would just walk in and be like, I'm empty, or I'm getting empty. Piece of paper, take it to Walgreens, get a new pill bottle. It was easy. And so it just got to a point where I wasn't recovering from the fucking surgeries. And so I needed more pills. 
And I kept taking those fucking pills. Gang, I just said it. I took one pill and I was high as fuck. I was taking so much Vicodin back then that every morning, every morning, every morning without fail or I couldn't function for 325s, four pills. Some people take that in a day. I took that before my feet hit the fucking ground. I had a coffee cup, one, two, three, four pills, and I'd have a glass of water. I'd pop those pills, I would drink the water, and I would just sit on the edge of the bed because the pain is real. I'm still in pain. I just don't take Vicodin anymore. Every morning. Now, that's just to get out of bed. Now, you take a shit, you pillow around the house, you got two dogs, you got to walk them. By the time I left the house, gang, I was probably six to seven pills into my day. I haven't even started work. I've got a physical job. So by the time I left work, fuck me. Two dozen pills? Easy. I was living my life high. Now, one of the big moments, this is before the big daddy, what I'll call it. I remember... This is when the trainer staff was uh, lounge was upstairs and gang, I put all my stuff down. I, I, I turned, I was like, I got to take some pills before I get, you know, started on my day. I couldn't find, I'm starting to shake just thinking about it. I couldn't find my fucking pills. I checked my bag. I ran downstairs and searched my car upside down. I retraced my steps. Up down. I, I went gang, I was panicking. I was literally fucking panicking. And I, I to this day, I, I love them. But the managers, Vlad, Road Rash, Celeste, I mean, all the men, they, they went, it, it was code red, code red. They, they turned that place upside down to help me find my pills because I was an emotional wreck. I was already panicking, thinking, holy shit, I just got this bottle. They had just changed it to, I can't remember, was it scheduled one or two, whatever the fuck, where now you got to jump through hoops to get those fucking pills. I was already thinking about the next 30 minutes of my life without my fucking pain pills. And I remember it was kind of embarrassing. I, I had put the pills next to my lunch in the refrigerator. Total accident. Vlad found them. And I one, I was like, oh, thank God. And then I, I still remember almost the shame I felt. And I was like, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Where you're just like, I, I can't operate without these things. But there's no fucking way I would have thrown those things in the trash. You fucking kidding me? I needed them. Now, again, I'm trying not to have you know, like nine hour long shows. So I'm fast forwarding through a lot of shit. But what, what got me there, gang, and again, I, I'm really talking about some sensitive shit here. Um... If you follow me on Twitter, y'all, I'm open about my brain damage uh, and my mental illness. Here's the thing. Back then, I only knew about one of them, the brain damage. I'm almost a 50-year-old black dude from the South. We didn't talk about mental illness. So that shit went unchecked all the way up until I was, when, when was that, 44? Gang, I was unraveling. I, I, I almost, I almost lost a friend 
And finally, I think it was just like last year, because every every so often I would always just send a text and I'm like, I, I, I don't deserve you. I put her through the shitter all because I was fucking unraveling. I mean, it's still hard to think about. Uh, she's, she's, God damn it. When my kidneys failed, when my kidneys failed, I called out to this person. I vaguely slash don't ever really remember it. But apparently, let's, let's, again, let's call her Joanne. I told my wife, call Joanne. Call Joanne. Joanne showed up. Who would know years after, because of my fucking mental health unraveling, I shit on her so much, I almost lost her. Now, where the fuck was I? <laughs> A little shout out to Joanne. But yeah, my, my mental health was fucking unraveling. And I'm taking a handful of Vicodins, washing it down with alcohol. What? How do you think that story's going to fucking end? So I actually sat right here in this kitchen, at this very table, in this very chair. Obviously, I'm not going to go into detail. But I attempted to do something for which there is no return. That little stunt got me a stay in the crazy house, as I like to call it. It's kind of my pet name for it. And I don't mind calling it the crazy house because the crazy house got me straight. I'll never do that shit again. But the crazy house got me straight and I'm glad I went through it. Now, while I was in this place, let's just call it the Betty Ford. Let's give it a name. So while I was at the Betty Ford, getting my mental health straightened out, there was also a portion of it about addiction. And gang, one, I hated that place. But after about two weeks, I couldn't do without it. You've never been around a group of more honest people. And I don't care whether you like someone or not. You respect honesty, or at least I do. I mean, just, I think about where, where I work, where I live. People lie about the smallest and dumbest shit. And I'm sitting in a room, half of addicts, half of people with mental illness who just try to kill themselves. Everyone's honest, brutally honest. Stories I heard in there, I never want to hear the fuck again. But it got you straight. And I'm sitting here and there's one dude who I'll never forget. I mean, I, I drink now and I joke about it. But I'm, I don't drink the way I drugged. Like, not even... If I drank the way I drugged, I would be non-functional. Right? But this one dude, and he would tell us these stories, and they were fucking heart-wrenching. And you knew where the story was going to go. And you're sitting there. It's like a fucking movie. Right? We're like, don't go in the barn! Oh, my God! Right? And his stories were just like that. But you know why he could not stop doing what he was doing? He was drunk. He did not know what it meant. What, what's the saying? What is it? When one drink isn't, uh, what is it? When one is not enough, but a hundred is too, not too many. I can't remember what the fuck all those sayings are. This guy had no idea. And I've done it before. I've stopped drinking. But he couldn't. And I just remember... Him saying he has no idea. He went, he's, he was sober. He was graduating from the program, as we call it. And he had a girlfriend. And I still remember he was telling this story where they were going out 
And she had a single beer and she stopped because she knew she had to drive. And the half of the room that was there for only addiction, you should have seen their react. What? <laughs> Wait, you mean you could have one beer? And you should have heard the, the, the sincere shock in their voice. They didn't know it was fucking possible. Gang, addiction is a motherfucker. Now, for me, yeah, man, my mental health, well, I'll do an episode on that one later, but that fucking Vicodin was a motherfucker. Now, here's the thing about Vicodin. For those of you who are on it for, like, I hate to say this, for legit reasons, like your body really hurts. You're not just doing it to have, to get a high. Vicodin makes you hurt more. Did you know that? Your body gets so attached to that drug, it literally sends false pain signals to your brain because one becomes two. Like, all right, well, I'll take the edge off with three. Then your body's like, oh, fuck that. We need some more. Now you're taking four. Your body gets used to the four. Your body loves Vicodin so much, it kicks up the pain or what you brain perceives as pain. You're, you're guzzling this shit. Now, I, I, I got off of it the hard way. I did, and I don't recommend it. But uh, my pain actually decreased when I got off of Vicodin. Now, that's not saying much. <laughs> I'm still in fucking chronic pain, but it's less than when I was actually on prescription painkillers. Now, I've been off of prescription painkillers, I think, for four years. And here's the thing. I want one right now. I do. I wanted one last night. I want some tomorrow. I loved Vicodin. <laughs> I did. I'm not perfect. I'm not fucking Superman up in this bitch. I want it Vicodin. Then I want it now. But here's the thing. Like my dad always used to tell me, there's always going to be a five minutes after. And now Bubba wants to go outside. Hold on. You, like your brother, know how to ruin a moment. Get your monkey ass outside. I love that fucking meatloaf with legs. But my dad would always say, there's always a five minute. He never really guided our, excuse me, our decisions. He was just like, you're a man now, figure it out. But he would always say, there's always going to be a five minutes after. Can you handle those five minutes after? If you can, shit, if you're feeling froggy, then jump. So if I were to take the Vicodin now, Oh, yeah, sure. If you gave me a 1, 325, you even gave me a 500. I'd pop it. Eh, I remember those good feelings. <laughs> but there's going to be a five minutes after. And even if I took just one today, what are the odds I'm not going to try to do two tomorrow? Like, it's been suggested that I get back on uh, prescription-grade pain meds for my pain. And I said, so for as long as I live in this house by myself, the answer is Niltenheimer. I'm not going to do it because I don't trust myself with a fucking 120 pills. That's supposed to last you a month and a half or some shit. It's going to last me a week. So, no, I, I don't go back down that road. I've got my mental health about as much of in check as it's going to be. I already do a little drinking. I smoke the Mary Jane and that actually helps my head and it helps my pain. I'm not going to throw Vicodin 
back in that mix because I don't trust not becoming that guy again. Again, my dear friend who I shit on, I'm not putting her through that. I remember the look on my mother's face when I got checked into uh, the Betty Ford. No, it's not the Betty Ford. Like I said, we're just going to call it the Betty Ford because it's a fun name. I'll never forget that look. As I was being checked in, the first thing she, oh man, she got up. Because when they called my name, she, and it was like, well, ma'am, this, this is just for him. And when I turned around, the look on her face, gang, I, I'll never do that to her again. Right? It's just, for me, that's what keeps me clean. It's it's not worth the five minutes after. I will not do that to myself. I'll never do that to not just my friend, Joanne, or any of my friends. I can't imagine what, again, I don't have their vision. And I've always said, you don't get to say what kind of drunk you are. Because in your mind, you're the flirty, philosophical, you know, you know what else says? He's a fucking asshole. So I don't get to say what kind of drug addict I was. That's for other people to tell me. And you know what? I'm not going to give him that opportunity ever again. Because I'm not getting back on fucking Vicodin. So I presented the motherfucking problem. Now, I'm going to present my motherfucking solution. Gang, let me tell you something about addiction. You aren't weak. This isn't a failing of any kind. You're you're not immoral. You have a medical issue. Again, we, we, we fly banners for people with cancer. We tell them how brave they are. What do we say about drug addicts and alcoholics, right? You're a fucking bum and a loser. You're not a bum and a loser. You got a medical problem. And there's nothing wrong with admitting you have an alcohol problem. There's nothing wrong with admitting you got a drug problem. There are places for you to go get help. And you know what? You should do it. Always remember that you are worth tomorrow. Now, let's keep it real. The road to recovery is fucking hard. It's paved with fucking potholes. It's rough sometimes. I joke about shit, but oh yeah, I struggle. Everyone, I always, you know, that line from Mary to pick a bad day to stop sniffing glue. When my pain is bad, it's like, oh, fuck me. Does anyone have any Vicodin? And of course, everyone always says no, but it's always, eh, what if someone says yes, <laughs> right? I struggle too. We all do. This shit isn't easy, <laughs> right? And, and if you want to give yourself a pat on the back, right? It's fucking every single day you stay clean, you make it look a little bit easier. And you may motivate somebody else. More importantly, you're staying fucking clean. So again, there's no moral failings in being an addict. Yeah, you ma- you made some mistakes. Hey, let me tell you something. My friend who I almost lost, because I remember we always have like date nights when her husband's not around and, you know, we can go and catch up and be friends. And I remember I was like, hey, it's been a while since we've had our friend date. And normally she was like, Friday, six o'clock, let's go. Her response was, I think we need to have a talk first. Right. So, I mean, you, you get my point is you got to put in some fucking work. You got to repair some motherfucking relationships. You got to look yourself in the mirror every single day and decide, 
Today's another day. I'm going to not drink. I'm not going to pop those pills. I'm not going to bump that Coke. Gang, if I can leave you with anything, I, I say this on Twitter all the time. You, me, everyone else in the fucking struggle, you're worth tomorrow. Make sure when that sun rises, you do everything you fucking can to be a part of the next day. Now, gang, the big guy's going to sign the fuck off. Gin and truth. Let's go.